here he is, the man who preferred death to the tortures of the chain gang. His was the most sensational escape in chain gang history. Crawling through the thick brush, bloodhounds at his heels, hiding in swamps, he outwitted his pursuers at every turn. This man has lived a thousand lives in one. A hunted thing on earth. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. So welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. Here we are in the midst of season six. We're going to try something new today, something never before tried on our show. It's called The Double Feature. And we're going to try to talk about two movies at the same time in the same episode. So it's going to be twice as good. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? I would. I'm super excited about these two. I'm twice as excited. Now, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to do two films starring Paul Muni. I am a fugitive from a chain gang from 1932 and the story of Louis Pasteur from 1936. Now, just to give you a little background, why these two films? A couple of weeks ago, I was um, on the Criterion Channel. And Mike, you know how much I love the Criterion Channel. Me too. How much we would love to have them as sponsors for the show. In case they're listening. In case they're listening. So I was on the Criterion Channel looking for something to watch. And, you know, you've read about movies your whole life. Sometimes you've seen them. You saw them a long time ago. You you might have just missed one. And I had never seen the story of Louis Pasteur. And in my mind flashed... Um, a great, great Twitter feed called Mr. Paul Muni. And it's somebody, we're going to try to try to get her on here. And she has a great Twitter feed all about Paul Muni. And that just fired in my head. And I said, you know what? My, my son was around. I said, hey, let's watch this movie. And we were glued. I had seen I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang before, but we were glued to this film about a chemist who changes the world of microbiology. So we're going to talk about these two films together, what they have in common, um, how they're not alike. Now, remember, the premise of the show still stands. Mike, have we discussed these films yet? Never. Never. We're going to do it live right now on the show. So um, I I want to throw something out there, Mike, about these two films, and then we can take it from there. The first thing that's funny about these is that one of them works completely on paper. We love using that phrase on the show. And one of them obviously does not. I'm a Fugitive from a Chain Gang works absolutely on paper. Literally this, on paper, literally. adapted from, a, from a, <laughs> yeah. an autobiography. Yes. And, and uh, certainly the story of Louis Pasteur, does, does, you can't see a bunch of cigar chomping executives saying, we've got to make this. Johnson, get the script, girl. No, the, the only way it works today is, you know, they have a spare uh, contract around with Eddie Redmayne and they're like, who's he going to play this time? And that, that's how they make movies. But th- that, that movie does not work uh, on paper at all. But what's fascinating to me is that both of the movies are so suspenseful. They have great performances. I mean, we could talk about how great Paul Muni is in both of them. I mean, you, we are. you can't un- believe it's, it's the same guy, right? And that each of them does another one of our favorite things is for both of these films, talk about um, entering the story late and leaving early. I mean, we'll talk about the endings as well, but what was your takeaway about, or not your takeaway, but your, um, your opening salvo about both of these films? Yeah, I was blown away by how dynamic Paul Muni is. So we could we can start there because the dramatic performance in I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang is, is obvious. Uh, somehow I'd seen, I want to say the first 90 minutes of that movie. And this is the, the first time I've ever seen that that ending. And I'm sure we'll get to that when we do the endings. But just to point out like a great part of the performance, it's there's an inherent drama. It's obvious why the scene where um, his brother comes to tell him that the state isn't going to let him go. It's, uh-huh. it, you know, why that's so dramatic and why it hurts so badly. Um, and, and he's so great at that. 
but the but the character of Louis Pasteur, by contrast, is so muted and so subdued and so thoughtful. Uh, anybody else would just kind of be playing it with a fake beard and it would be really weird, but it's so natural the way he does. It. There's little gestures like I noticed the way Louis Pasteur slowly takes his hat off when he talks to people like as a gesture of respect. You have to remind yourself that that's an actor all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great lister. <laughs> you have to remind yourself. I mean, it's, I know it's also great. I love the level of suspense because we know how the story of Louis Pasteur ends. We, we know that before, the credits are on at the beginning. We already know it's a foregone conclusion, but it's still suspenseful. I mean, in Chain Gang, you, you, don't, you, you hope he gets free and then the ending is a big surprise. But it's, it's fascinating to me how, I mean, how much suspense can you get out of a sheep contest where you have the sheep in one pen and the sheep in the other pen and these have been vaccinated? I mean, that is like nail-biting suspense. Well, they do the, a wonderful job, the screenwriters, the directors, and Paul Muni of dramatizing doubt. And that's what, what, that's what this really is because- the, the movie actually wouldn't work if Louis Pasteur always knew he was right and it was just like the ignorant world not listening to him. It's it's the scene where um all the Russian peasants line outside the door yeah. because they want to be vaccinated and he's a and he's afraid because if it if it works and it really is just the strength of the sample thing that's you know that's given him problems then he's about to heal two hundred people that are waiting outside the door and that have no hope. Yeah. Uh, but if he's also wrong, he might kill them. He might accelerate things. He might just give them false hope. And I, I think that that's where this, that's where the suspense lies, right? That like the common, um, the common writing class question is always what's at stake. And they do a very good job at all moments of, uh, of Louis Pasteur of, of dramatizing what's at stake and making it really uh, clear to the viewer. And very difficult to watch us now. And of course not think of, COVID, not think of the, you know, the, the virus, you know, what's at stake. People will say things like, well, why don't they just figure it out? Well, who's they? Like it, 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 it's, it does a great job of dramatizing how science works, that science is not just them or people in lab codes. It's human beings who, who are just like the rest of us. And, it, and, you know, it also reminded me of watching both of these because they're both based upon true stories was they reminded me very much of Shakespearean history plays. Right now, you know, you know, you're you're a reader just like I am. You know that the last the last reason why you would read a Shakespeare history play is is for what? Uh, is to find out how it ends. Yeah, to learn history, right? Like I think I'd like to learn about this chap Henry the Fourth. Oh, here's part one of his story. Like it, they're not about that, right? Shakespeare, as you knew, would use history to 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 then um, build upon you know universal themes and use this kind of stuff as a backdrop. And I think both of these films do that that same kind of thing really really well. Um, like like you said, like the Pasteur, you get the story of Pasteur, but it's really about one man versus the system or what's it like to have doubt in yourself? What's it like to try to stand up when everyone's yelling at you? And a funny uh, thing that I noticed, by the way, uh, now that you point out the Shakespeare dramas, is that a lot some a lot of the scenes work the same way. Um, you know, there there's a beautiful thing in Shakespeare where uh, where the minor characters are are drawn to something that they just happen to be talking about. The character is about to come on and someone says, oh, and, and here he comes now. And yeah. that happens all the time uh, in Louis Pasteur. And what, but what that serves to do, I think, is it gives him the same kind of grandeur uh, as Henry IV, which yes. is that it's that's very interesting. I thought that that was a really interesting decision. I don't I don't think we make biopics quite the same way. We either make biopics about people who are totally larger than life uh, or, uh, you know, who, who face similar things. But but it's a kind of hageography. Right, yes. like that. What, like what? What's gone on? The the system acting against them is is a portrayal of their saintliness and their saintly patience. Yes. And while Pasteur is patient, this movie doesn't work that way. 
Yes. And we're going to talk about that. That's something I like to bring up a part two is the system that each of these guys fight. So, so, I mean, I think to, to end this part about the, the Shakespearean play, you know, it, it reminded me that, you know, in the chain gang film, it's he leaves one prison to go to another one. He escapes one prison and he ends up in that prison of his marriage, right? And in the Pasteur film, he's almost like he's trying to break people out of the prison of their of their blinders. But the, the reason that movie is so good is that they're not they're not all um just pig-headed. They're not, it's not just one person like railing against the system. Like they're all human beings. Yeah, the the beautiful thing that dramatizes that for me, and then we can move on to the next section, is when the guy gets bitten uh, at yes. the fair. And the woman comes out with the torch and dances around him. And it, there's a way that it could be done cartoonishly that it that it would be funny um, or a way that it could be obnoxious. But it's just sad. Yes, it's it, not is it's, what it yes, is. Exactly. You feel bad for everybody in that scene. All right. We'll talk about that in part two. OK, welcome back. So in part two, we talk about characteristic moments, things that dramatize the themes of the film. Dan, why don't you go first? Sure. Now you can take any moment from either film, and I just want to take one small one and from there build out. It's the moment in I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang when um, when Alan is in the, the lunch counter with the guy who's about to hold it up. And he says, you want to go get a hamburger? I know this guy. And he, they sit down and, and he's watching the guy pile the onions on top of the hamburgers and he's just looking. And all of a sudden the other guy pulls out the gun. I love that moment because you're, you're so, um, you follow Paul Muni so much and so faithfully because he's such a good actor that when you see the onions go on those hamburgers, you, my thought was like, oh, that looks really good. And you totally forget, like you forget that you're watching a film. Like, like I wonder what's going to happen in this film called I'm a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. Like you, you almost forget for a second. That's because you, the camera leads you in and Muni's performance leads you in and his hunger, because you know how hungry he is. When he sees those onions going on that hamburger, we all know what that's like to be hungry and to look at that. And then, and then all of a sudden the, the guy pulls out the gun and the guys, and Alan's whole world is flipped upside down. I don't have anything big for that moment. I just like how, uh, that guy's in the movie for like three minutes and ruins someone else's life. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, now, so that once that makes me want to think about, and we'll just kind of riff on these and you'll think of some too, as we start talking here, but I kept thinking about the differences between the films. We talked about the similarities, right? So they're like, you know, in fugitive, you have, you know, a guy, uh, uh, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? Pasteur, it's a guy in the right place at the right time, right? To change history, right? Um, I think the quality of Muni in Chain Gang is he's like this everyman figure. Like it could happen to any, anyone. I just wanted a hamburger, even though in real life, the guy was involved in the robbery apparently. But um, in Pasteur, he's unique. I mean, he's not like everybody else. He's not an everyman figure, right? Um, I think Fugitive is cool because it's about an individual. Here's that theme again, that Shakespearean theme where you use real events to talk about a big idea. What's cool about Fugitive? It's about um, trying to reinvent yourself, right? So remember James Allen, remember his new name? Alan James, right? Yeah. Right. So he like, you know, it's a lateral move in names, but, but he reinvents himself. So it's the, the person he wanted to be, like, I wanted to be this engineer. I wanted to build things. And he gets like that second chance. So people go through their whole lives and say, I wish I had taken this forking path. He actually, through his um, terrible uh, traumatic experiences and his escapes gets to reinvent himself. Right. It Except, of course, for that for that dark, terrible yes. continuity that the same things are going to happen over, over and over. And over yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, yes, it, it's it's yeah. And I think it's cool that he like he um, changes. But in Pasteur, Pasteur really doesn't change. You know, that's what you talked before about writing courses. They say, oh, how will the protagonist change? How does the protagonist change over the course of this novel or this film? Right. Pasteur doesn't really change. 
um, you know, he, he, he makes everyone else change around him, like Charbonnet and stuff. And I, and I want you to think also about um, what you said earlier, which I thought was really cool, was that in Chain Gang, all of Alan's enemies are, are sadistic. And they're like the orcs and they're, they're just like these terrible, like Dante-esque figures, like with the whip and all, and, you know, and I count 13 counting the links and things like that. But what's cool about Pasteur is that all of his enemies, so to speak, are, are kind of sympathetic. Like they don't believe him. They think he's a fool, but you're not invited to like roll your eyes at them. At least I wasn't. No, I think the interesting thing is when Charbonnet finally says he's right, that there's like a yeah. hundred other people lined up to, to tell the two of them now that they're wrong. Um, which is, you know, that's it's it's not as big an ending as um, I'm a fugitive from a chain sure. gang, but it's it's still a, a beautiful moment. It's it's literally a small victory. Yeah, it literally is a small victory. So what I mean, did it, you just saw them both as well, too, this week? Like, did anything strike you about like the stark differences between the experiences of watching them? Yeah, I, I thought that on the whole, um, I'm a fugitive from a chain gang is a more interestingly shaped movie um it's shaped with high drama high tension down to that last down to that last line there's some movies books film like real real art that comes down to the last line has an inherent drama in every single one of its moments and and that's the shape of i am a fugitive from a, a chain gang it really comes to a sharp point i thought actually that the story of louis pasteur is an unbelievably contemporary movie you could have made that almost shot for shot with different actors and, and the same script and just kind of put it out yeah and people would totally watch that I, yeah. and i think that it would resonate with them not just for the covid reason though that certainly that certainly wouldn't hurt at the box office but it, uh that's that's what i was struck with whereas i am a fugitive from a chain gang is really a it's a product of its time it's like very much a pre-code movie yes. and that's the phrase that keeps coming up every single time people describe it yes wasn't it interesting to you i don't know if it was just me but i thought it was really interesting how in the story of louis pasteur it's not a birth to death story it's not what you'd it's not you know it's a very very small segment of his life where you know i i think i think a um a lesser experienced screenwriter would have started with who's that young boy in class oh that's pasteur you know him he's up all night playing with his microbes like you know it, it literally starts with him like find the microbe kill the microbe like he's already figured it out by the time the movie starts isn't that interesting yeah i, I thought uh what this movie did really well too is um that you could make a bad movie of this by doing the opposite of that and only focusing on one of the things that he kind of helped solve. Whereas this is more of a method or a paradigm or a way of thinking yeah. of, of isolating, you know, of, of isolating what's going on, trying to find the, the microbe, you know, you didn't know about viruses yet. Right. And, and, and to start to do it. And so it's, it's a thought process that goes over kind of two or three uh, different scenarios. And that's yeah. what I thought was so interesting. Of course, that breaks down perfectly into beginning, middle and end. And that it's shaded with drama with how much his enemies are on his side and his daughter. With, you know, yeah. It's of course, it's heavily tense in the middle. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's, yeah. it's very um, it, it lends itself well to structure, but it was an interesting decision. I think, as you said, like going kind of for the total macro view of his life is is wrong. I think going for a very small snippet would be wrong. And they kind of chose just just right. Yeah. And it's interesting what was chosen too, because if you didn't know what happened in the film, you would you would sit there for a while and go, "When's he going to do the milk? When, when's he going to do the thing with the milk? When does he make the milk okay to drink?" 
And like, that never happens, right? Like the, that happened before, I think the action, I think in history it happened before the action of the film. And also I love what you just said because I'm um, about like, where does the drama come? It's great that at the very first scene, a gun, a gun is fired. It's like, okay, we got the gunfire out of the way. Now, now we're going all on microbes. Well, I got to say when um, the lady starts screaming, it's a mad dog, a mad dog. I did actually laugh. I know it's, it's not funny, but the way the line is delivered yes. is funny. Uh, but there's a contrasting moment, which is when um, uh, Charbonnet g- gives him the piece of paper mm-hmm. um, that re- gives him the retraction and you re- you read it and just like a, it acts on you like a silent movie. And you're like, <gasps> yeah, like that, man, that is a that is a tensely worded retraction. Yeah. And it's funny because because the actors are so good, right? You go <gasps> like and think about where you're going. <gasps> you're 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 you make that gasp as an audience member because of because of the retraction of an idea. Like, like that's that's high. That's um, a tall order to make an idea dramatic. You can make a bomb dramatic. You can make a guy escaping from a chamber, like when, when he can't get the shackles off his one leg. Remember that one part where the one is stuck on his ankle, and you're going, "Oh, come on!" You can make him breathe through a reed underwater. Like that stuff has has drama stamped all over it. Good, go film it. But to make somebody retracting an, a, a belief of theirs an idea of theirs and is he going to do it is he not and to make that dramatic and make an audience member go <gasps> like that's that's pretty good yeah that that was solid but um i do in the next segment want to talk i mean that's the a great middle of the story of louis pasteur uh but we can't end this episode until we talk about the ending of i'm a fugitive from a chain gang all right So welcome back. In part three, we always talk about the endings of the film, which are the titles. Um, so let's talk about the ending of I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. Mike, you said you had originally seen, I think, the first 90, 90 minutes of the film and for some reason never saw the ending, but you just did. So go ahead. I don't know how it happened, but I saw this movie <laughs> on TCM, I want to say like eight or nine years ago, and I remember the movie. I remember thinking how great it was, all the pre-code stuff, um, the, the way that... Uh, when he's alone with the woman in the hotel room, you know, there's like some pre-code camera yep. action, there's hands on knees, so, like, stuff yeah. that wasn't allowed or was what was considered risque for 1932. Um, there are some movies, like I think we covered in Diabolique, where there's a scene which the camera work is so beautiful. Like it, it's such a great idea and it works thematically, but the camera work is so beautiful that it, it's just kind of added to the, you could call them cinematic licks. It just adds to cinematic knowledge. The, the ending of I am a fugitive from a chain gang is, is just one such scene as he sinks in, as Jim sinks into the darkness and she asks him, how will you live? And he says, I steal. And that is utterly, utterly, utterly heartbreaking. That like, that is a movie that is, you could, you could probably chop off the last 30 seconds of the story of Louis Pasteur and it would survive, but you could not even cut off one second from this movie uh, where it ends it's like literally a knife edge well that's what's hilarious when you when you, you mentioned you hadn't seen the ending it's like say like uh yeah i've seen the sting but i didn't really make it to the end or yeah chinatown's pretty good does something happen at the end of chinatown so it, and it's funny because those are both plot twists and the ending of, of and i agree with you the ending of chain gang is so bone chilling and it's such a punch in the stomach and it you said pre-code that's also pre it's almost like pre contemporary giant actors. There's no way you could have Tom Hanks who, who would be, he would think would be perfect for that kind of person, like the wronged every man figure, but you cannot have Tom Hanks. Their agent would never allow it. Never, never. Never. Right. So it's like a twist because it's, it's, we said, I said before, it's about this guy trying to reinvent himself. So at the end, he really does. He has to become the thing he was accused of being. 
Paul Muni is a star without plot armor. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what he is, right? Because because he he does it. He vanishes in the darkness and says, "I steal." And the credits come up, and we and again, you said before we learned how movies are supposed to work. And I say that kind of cynically, you know. Um, that's before because a modern viewer sees that and says, "Wait a minute, what, when does he get cleared? Like, when does that happen? What what when is when when does the credit thing come up at the end? It says later in life, James Allen was shown to be because technically the guy was still on the run. The actual figure it, it was based upon was still on the run when the movie was made. But um, you know, like you don't get that. It just ends. This movie tricked me. I think the first time I watched it, oh into yeah, thinking that it was an action adventure movie. Again, you know, with with daring escapes when they're in the truck and, the you know, he, the guy leans out the window and is right. shot. There, there's so many good action scenes, um, you know, that the the emotional and actual blackmail going on is so tense and just nauseating that you don't expect that you don't expect a big final number like that. Right. But damn, this movie just relies on the fireworks and it 100% delivers. Like that is that is a line that works on paper just as well as it works on camera. And having an, an actor of the caliber of Paul Muni pull it off just makes it an immortal scene. Yeah, and it's funny because we keep saying Fugitive, which reminded me of, you know, David Kimball and, and you know, Dr. Kimball and the TV show, which I've watched with my kids, which I, we think is fabulous. And the film of it with Harrison Ford. I mean, you know, going into that before your popcorn bucket is halfway empty, you know, there's nothing Harrison Ford is not going to get out of. He's, he's got what you said, plot armor, right? And it's, it's the same kind of thing. So it's again, it's an innocent person. I didn't do this. I'm on the run. It, it's a great way to get the audience on your side. The audience is totally with you. I'm going to build bridges, right? Uh, um, Paul Muni and Louis Pasteur is going to build a new way of seeing the world. You know, Alan wants to build bridges. He wants to co- literally contribute to society, right? And then they, 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 the machine, you know, that, that system, that machine turns him into the thing he was accused of being. And you're like, what? Like, that's the end. And it's so much more powerful that way. Well, it, it, it's in that way an indictment of the system. I oh, think sure. there's a lot of movies yeah. that end in the way that you describe that try to be indictments of the system, but by virtue of the way that they end, they kind of deflate themselves or they negate themselves. Yes. And this in in his transformation, his like his utter transformation into into nice naive guy just trying to make you know make ends meet, just got back home from World War One, which again connects it to I think Key Largo, yeah, and like the expectations of of what's back home though different wars um his transformation is the is the greatest indictment yeah. and again the, the movie just comes it like louis pastor again is, is nicely shaped it works in a three-part structure it, it it makes some sense on paper but not a lot but i am a fugitive from a chain gang comes to a, a bullet point yeah and it's I, it's that's a great line about key largo because of course you know i've come back what i've done is meaningful right and i'm going to do something that's really really it's really terrible but i got to do it i'm going to pawn my medal and he sees the whole box of them. It's like you and you and everyone else. And he's like, oh, and you watch this guy through a series of defeats. And then he rises a little. And then he, then he gets into that marriage and he gets defeated again. Then he rises a little until at the end. You know, that's it. How do you live? You know, I steal. What a movie. And so, again, thank you to the Twitter feed for Mr. Paul Muni for, for leading us on this path. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation about these films. They're both streaming on Criteria now, along with a, a number of other great Paul Muni films. So you should definitely check them out. And if you watch Fugitive from a Chain Gang, don't be like Mike. Watch the whole thing. 
Yeah. And if by chance you haven't watched a Paul Muni movie before, and this is the first time you've heard the name mentioned, you need to go out and watch a movie right now. He's kind of a forgotten man of Hollywood. You know, all the other names we throw out. Any, anybody knows who Jimmy Stewart or Bogart is or, or anything like that. But, but Paul Muni is the OG. He, he is. He is. So follow us on Twitter at 15MINFilm. Let us know what we should watch. You can email us at 15minutefilm. That's spelled out 15minutefilm at gmail.com. Keep the suggestions coming. We hope you've enjoyed this double feature. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.